I had an interesting experience this week. I'm sure you've had these take place in your life before. I was right around the corner here from the church, and my family was in the car. We were on our way uh, to go to a restaurant to get something to eat. And all of a sudden, this guy comes up behind me, and he just starts, like, laying on, you know. I mean, he's laying on the horn. I'm coming up to the stoplight, going to make a right-hand turn, and there's a car in front of me, and there's just no place for me to go. And he's honking the horn, and he's giving me his IQ, and, I mean, he just letting me have it. And the next thing I know, he comes whipping around my car, and he's shaking his fist. And, you know, the very first thought that I had in my mind was, bless his little heart. <laughs> No, that wasn't. <laughs> that wasn't what I said. No, no, no. You know, I've watched enough movies to know that some vehicles have a little button that they can push, and this rocket launcher pops out. And my very first thought was, I wish I had a rocket launcher in my vehicle right now, because I would push that thing and blow him off the road. That was my first thought. Then I got over to bless his little heart, you know. But... <laughs> I started off, come on, just be real here. All of us in this room have things in our life that push our buttons, just really elevate kind of that intense emotion inside of us we call anger. We're going to talk about pushing buttons today. We're going to look at two passages of Scripture this morning. The first one is found in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse number 9, and the second one is in the New Testament, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 and 27. And what I'd like to do is I'd like to have a stand in the honor of reading God's Word. We're going to look at Ecclesiastes chapter 7. This is written by a man. Uh, the Bible calls him the wisest man that ever lived. His name was Solomon. Now, not all of his actions were wise, but God gave him the ability to communicate truth in a way that was extremely profound. This is what Solomon says about anger. Don't let your spirit rush to be angry, for anger abides in the heart of fools. Anger abides, dwells, lives in the hearts of fools. Now, Paul the Apostle, writing to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 4, the, the story of Ephesus is an amazing story. God has poured out his spirit. You can read the account in the book of Acts, but God has moved powerfully, and people, I mean, Gentiles are coming to the faith. They're being radically saved. They're being radically delivered. They're experiencing miracles. They're experiencing God's healing, delivering power from satanic bondages. It's a great story in the book of Acts, but they had to grow into spiritual maturity. I heard an old-timer one time say, there's some things that you gotta, you got to know when to cast something out, and you got to know when to disciple something out. And Paul is being a teacher. He's, he, you know, he's, a, he's an exhorter. He's an encourager. But he's teaching the people how they can grow into spiritual maturity. And he's talking about this area of anger and your tongue. And in Ephesians 4, verse 26, the Bible says, Be angry and do not sin. Be angry and and do not sin. That's a tall order right there. And do not let the sun go down on your wrath. And give no opportunity to the devil. Do not let, he, let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. But only what is helpful for building others up. Everyone just read that with me. Building others up. According to their needs. That it may benefit those who listen. This morning, I want to talk to you on this topic, dealing with those who push your buttons. Dealing with those who push your buttons. Let's pray. Father, uh, ten, uh, this morning, we are so grateful for the grace 
that you've extended to us. We have sensed such a wonderful presence, a wonderful reality of your peace in our worship experience this morning. Lord, we love you today. Every person that's here, Lord, they've come with a different need and a different care and a different weight and a different concern. And God, this area of dealing with crazy makers and things that just really push our buttons, I pray that you'll give us a spiritual ear to hear. Every person, God, in a heart that's willing to be changed and transformed. And Lord, give me a mouth to speak clearly exactly what you want me to say. I need your help today. We need your help in your wonderful and your mighty name. And everyone said, amen. We all, you may be seated. We all have, but, we all have button pushers in our life, all of us, every person in this room. I got a little jacket here. It might help me explain. Hang on, just a second. Let, let me put the jacket on real quick. Do you have a button pusher in your life today? How about a boss? How about a boss? I mean, they just, the way they talk to you, it just really pushes your buttons. No, Pastor Glenn, I told Pastor Glenn he can't respond to that one. How about your spouse? Come on, if you've been married longer than two seconds. We, <laughs> we have conversations in our house. We, we never get angry at one another. How about a spouse? How about a child? How about your 35-year-old child that hasn't been able to figure out life yet and they had to borrow money to pay their rent again? How about your two-year-old? Throws a tamper, throws himself in the middle of the room and refuses to do what you've asked them to do. I mean, we have button pushers in our life. Uh, just recently, uh, there was a very well-known politician whose neighbor attacked him, attacked him, put him in the hospital. And supposedly it was because he blew leaves into the other neighbor's yard. Now, I don't know if that's a true story or not. But something agitated this guy to the point that when he saw his neighbor out in front, he attacked him. I mean, his buttons were pushed to such a point. His anger had built to such a point that it turned into just add one, one letter to anger. The letter is D, and you have danger. He found himself in a dangerous place, in a dangerous position. Anger is defined simply as this. This is a simple little definition for anger. A powerful emotion that people feel when someone or something frustrates or annoys them. How many have been frustrated before? Come on. How many have felt annoyed in your life before? Uh, in the Greek, the word for angry literally comes, has this concept or root to mean strangling. You feel like strangling someone, or you want to strangle. You just, you're just to the point that anger is built inside. The only thing you can do, you feel like, is strangle it. That's literally what it, it means. And men and women respond differently. Men, you know, women tend to be more verbal in their anger. Men tend to be more physical in their anger. But you must realize today that when anger is starting to take control in your life, it's a physical response. It's a physical response. Proverbs chapter 29, verse number 22 says it like this. An angry man, I would say an angry woman, an angry young person or angry old person, doesn't matter who you are, an angry person stirs up dissension. 
Do you have an angry person that you work with? They're just always irritated and frustrated at the company. They're, 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 they're angry about their paycheck. They're angry about their workload. And they're stirring up dissension. There's just tension and turmoil in the workplace. And a hot-tempered one commits many sins. A person who is hot-tempered, a person who is easily angered, the Bible says commits many sins. The phrase there, hot-tempered, means one's, it literally means one who owns heat, one who has an internal burning, like a low-grade anger just kind of underneath the surface of their life. It might be you today. It might be someone you know today. The fact is, I do know this experience because of my personality type, because the way God's hardwired me. I'm a driver. I'm a type A personality. I've had to work through this emotion of anger for many, many years. My anger in previous days and previous times of my life has caused problems because I've allowed things to simper. I know exactly what it means to be an owner of heat, to have things just burning kind of underneath the surface of your life. But here's the deal. Because anger is physical in our life, it has the potential to cause sickness and disease. Dr. S.I. McMillan says this. They've identified at least 51 illnesses that can be directly related to a person's anger. Heart attacks. Do you know that people are three times more prone to have a heart attack two hours after they've had an explosive, angerous event in their life? Three times more likely. Strokes. Our immune system becomes weakened. We have increased anxiety. Many times people who are depressed or live in depression, they have passive anger. They buried it. Anger can hurt your lungs. You're not a smoker, but your lungs can have the same damage and effect of them by carrying anger in your life. Ultimately, if we don't deal with this, if we don't deal with anger in our life, it can cut our life short. Proctologists know this. Proctologists know that anger can literally cause a pain in your rear. Someone once said, to dwell above with those we love that is glory. But to dwell below, that's another story. To live with people, to, act, to just walk through this life and to navigate this emotion is something that everyone in this room must learn to deal with. Anger is a powerful emotion. Anger is a powerful emotion. It has a physical response inside of us that many times manifests itself outside of us. But recognize today, it's always secondary to a primary cause. It's always secondary. Anger in your life and in my life is always secondary to a primary cause. And here's three or four things that generally drive us to anger. The first thing that generally drives people to anger is hurt. It's hurt. You've heard the expression, hurt people hurt people. When we're hurt emotionally, when we're hurt psychologically, when we're hurt physiologically inside, we have the tendency to want to hurt other people. Hurt people, hurt people. When we're hurt physically, come on, you know the response. You're working in the garage and you accidentally smash your thumb, right? Your first response is to get angry. When we're hurt, we have this response to, to, to express ourselves. When we get hurt inside, we have this ripple potential effect. 
because our hurt then impacts other people. Uh, another thing that can cause uh, anger in our life is being frustrated. And we don't use the word frustrated maybe as Christians as much as we are grieved in our spirit. <laughs> I'm just grieved. That just grieves my spirit. What is, what's happening? You're frustrated. You're standing in, you know, you go to the grocery store and, and you're standing in the 10 item or less line and the person in front of you has 75 items. <laughs> you're like just frustrated. The stoplight's not working correctly, and you're late for work, and it's already gone through three cycles, and you haven't been able to go. I mean, we have these things that cause us to be frustrated inside of us, and we have to ask ourselves, you know, being angry in this moment, does it really change the situation? Me being frustrated, is it really changing what's taking place? The third thing, the third thing that causes anger in our life is when we feel afraid. When we feel afraid or when we feel threatened, we have this fight or flight kind of, uh, of, of exposure or, or mindset. Something happens and it's, it's, we're feeling threatened in the moment. We want to fight or we want to run. And these are all natural. These are all natural responses to things that cause anger in our life. Maybe, you know, you're like the Incredible Hulk. You just can't seem to control it. You know, you're, you're just this Mike meek, meek, mild, you know, Dr. Banner. And then all of a sudden, man, one thing just ticks you off. And, you know, you just explode to this green person. And you tell yourself, I just can't control it. I don't know why I act like this. You know, even in the show, the, the Incredible Hulk, he had the potential to control it, right? He had a choice to make. And you have a choice to make how you are going to react or respond to times in your life that cause you to become angry. And before I go any farther today, you, you got to know that not all anger in our life is wrong. Not all anger. Anger is a, def is a defensive mechanism that many times God will use inside of us to help move the ball forward, to help bring reconciliation or to resolve conflict and problems in the world. You know, the thing that really makes you angry, anger that you see out there, the injustice that you see or the wrong that you see, if it's used correctly, can cause you to get involved and to want to make a difference. The young lady, the missionary young lady that was up here just a few uh, minutes ago, she was talking about when she was in Belgium, she worked in the air, worked with these young girls that had been sold into the sex slave uh, industry. You know why she did that? Because something inside of her was angry. She was angry how the devil was destroying people's lives. And she wanted to see those young ladies restored and redeemed and see the bondages broken and the healing name of Jesus and the love of God fill their lives. Come on, right? You can see that today. What drove that? There was an anger. There was a, there was a sense that this is wrong. This is unjust. And there are things that I see in our culture that really make me angry really make me angry. When people are taken advantage, when people are being abused, when people are being neglected, when, when children have abusive family members or people that do things to them that are, that are horrendous and evil, it makes me angry. And it's a righteous anger. Over 375 times in the Bible is anger attributed to God. Now, it's a perfect anger. It's a perfect anger. It's a righteous anger. And God is angry about the sin. I know there's a great big sign on I-4 that says God isn't angry. Well, that's true. God loves us. But you can't have love without anger. It's just impossible. It's impossible. So there is an anger, there's an anger against injustice in our world that is right. 
Proverbs chapter 6 says it like this about God. There are six things which the Lord hates. There are things that God hates. Do you know that today? It's a proper response to evil and sin in our world. Proper response. Proper response to evil and sin in our world. Laura and I had been married for about two years, and uh, uh, this is an area of my life that I've had to grow in. This is an area of my life that I've had to, that I've had to really you know, ask the Lord to help me grow in. Well, we'd been married for about two years, and we had went into this little Asian restaurant in Seattle, and, and we were eating inside the restaurant, and, and uh, it was a buffet kind of deal. And, and at the, after about 25 or 30 minutes in there, I was really getting irritated. There was a, a group of young people that were sitting in the corner. There were about seven or eight of them, and they were just being really obnoxious. You know, they were just being obnoxious. They were throwing food. They kind of, they'd had a food fight, food fight among them and the throwing food at the table and they were being loud and boisterous. And I, you know, I wasn't going to say anything. There was a bunch of guys over there. They looked bigger than me. And so I just kept my mouth shut and I was just eating my food. And then when the waitress, this little short little Asian lady, she came up and, and she handed them the bill. She couldn't speak very good English. She handed them the bill. This one guy went into a rage. And he started, oh, we're not going to pay this. Only one of us ate. Now, they had all been eating at the table. All of them had been eating. Oh, we're not going to pay this. Oh, I was the only one that was eating here. And, he, and this poor girl, she was so intimidated. She started shaking and literally started crying at the table. And when I saw that took place, this anger, this righteous, whatever, stupid anger, but this anger got a hold of me. And I stood up in the middle of the restaurant and I pointed my finger and I said, you turkeys, pay your bill. And my wife turns white. She's like, what did he just do? That was a righteous anger. And I'm not saying that I respond. I reacted. I, I didn't respond today. I'd probably just pay their bill and move the situation on. But, but there was something inside of me. You recognize that not all anger is bad. It's what we do with the anger. Do we react in anger or do we respond in a way that brings redemption and hope? Paul said it like this. When you're angry, don't sin. When you're angry. I'm not going to stand up and tell you you're never going to get angry because that's just not real. As a matter of fact, the moment, I, we just happened a couple of months ago, somebody's leaving the church, two people are leaving the church, and I just happened to be standing out in the parking lot, and one car bumped the other car. I can tell you, there were some people that got angry. I know you can't believe it, but literally, they had just left church. Some of you were trying to find a place to park today, and somebody cut you off, and, and there was an opportunity for you to bless their little heart. <laughs> Come on. Right, there's right way and there's wrong ways to express our anger. Now I'm going to give you some wrong ways. There's some, there's some ways that people express their anger, and it's not very healthy. Four ways that people tend to express their anger, it's not very healthy. Uh, the first one, I call it the machine gun Sally approach. Machine gun Sally, or the, how about this one, the machine gun Gary these people, the way that they respond to negative circumstances and bad situations is they just want to mow people down. I mean, they just want to mow them down verbally and maybe even physically. They're just on the edge. And man, when something happens, it's like, poof, they just explode. In Genesis chapter 4, there's a guy by the name of Cain. You might know him if you've been in the church. You've heard his name before. He was the very first person that committed murder. He murdered his brother. 
Uh, the story is that the Bible says that these two brothers offer God a, an offering or a sacrifice, and Abel's offering was more acceptable. And here it's a very fascinating text. The Bible says that God came to Cain, and this is what he said to him. He said, Cain, sin is crouching at the door of your life. And then you know what it said next? You must learn to master it. You must learn to master it. You know what that sin was in Cain's life? That sin was anger. Abel's offering was more acceptable. God showed greater favor. Cain was angry. And the Bible says Cain became furious. And he scowled in anger. And while they were still in the field, Cain attacked his brother. Exploded. He machine gun garried him down. And he killed his brother. It's, a lot, it's the way a lot of people respond. It's kind of, I call it the Alec Baldwin approach to life. I mean, the guy's 60 years of age, and he still gets ticked off over somebody taking his parking spot, and he wants to bop. He didn't just want to. He actually bopped the guy in the head. I mean, I'm like, dude, you're 60. And you notice, you know, they always attack someone they think they can beat. You know, come on, right? But he machine gun Gary. Now, I had a situation, it was about 10 years ago, a man came to my office, he had pastored for many years in our community, and uh, he said I need to talk to you, and he was really going through a difficult time, he had, had to leave his church, and he was very discouraged, and he came into my office, and he began to tell me his story. He said, my son, a, a couple of years ago, was involved in an incident. He said, my son grew up in the church. We were, I've been pastoring for 30 years. And my son was a good church kid. And he loved God. And so but he was driving down the road one day, and he got into an incident. We call him road rage. Anybody ever heard the term road rage before? Come on. Maybe you've experienced it. Maybe you've been involved in a road rage altercation. Well, his road rage altercation went extremely south. The couple and the other vehicle, they jumped out, and the young lady had a baseball bat or some kind of stick, and they jumped out of the car, and he jumped out of the car, and the young lady took a swipe at him, and he just happened on the way out of the car. He had a crowbar. And ang obviously, words were being expressed. Anger had pinnacled, and he took that crowbar, and wham, he hit that girl, and he killed her. He's in prison for the rest of his life. Premeditated murder, they called it. Now, I know it was an anger moment, but let me tell you, not, if you're a machine gun Gary, you got to deal with this. This explosive anger can have long-term consequences in your life. Now, those are easy ones. Those are easy ones to, uh, to pick out. But maybe you're today, you're the mute Mary. You know, you, no, you're just so calm. And you never seem to lose your control. And you have this great big smile on the outside. But inside, you're just stuffing it. You're shoving it down. You're, you're not expressing it. But you know what generally happens with, uh, with Mute Mary? Is that Mute Mary is like a crock pot. And you just, you know, she's always throwing little vegetables in there. And... And all of a sudden, man, that heat just goes at one point and Mute Mary can explode. And you'll find yourself saying something like, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> I didn't see that coming. Jeremiah had this kind of temperament or personality about him. In Jeremiah chapter 15, the Bible says this. Jeremiah said, I stayed by myself and was filled. You know what, you know what Mute Marys tend to do? They tend to isolate. They tend not, not to want to resolve conflict or problems. 
They just, they don't want to know about it. They don't want to hear about it. You know, if they don't hear about it, they don't know about it, then it's not really real. So they go hide themselves. Jeremiah, I said, I stayed by myself and I was filled with anger. Filled with anger. The mute Mary just shoves it down inside. When we swallow our anger, when we swallow our anger, it tends to cause physical issues in our life. And then there's the martyr mark. There's the martyr mark. You know, the kind of guy that's, you know, you're out there playing golf with them and, and uh, he's just, he makes a bad shot. Oh, I'm so stupid. I can't believe I did that. They mess up in the job, and they're, they're always beating themselves up, and they see themselves as the problem, and, you know, they can never do it right, and they just never had opportunities, and they're just the martyr. They walk through life as a martyr. So I just, you know, I can't believe it, and I didn't have opportunity. You know, all these, they, they love to throw pity parties. They love to throw pity parties, make other people feel, oh, come on, come on, you can do it, you know. And I know there's, there's times where we all kind of feel this at times, when we feel that sense of martyr. We, you know, we suffered, we've, we've struggled, we've done so much. Jesus told a story about a, a young man who, 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 who left his father's household. He was called the prodigal. He went out and lived in a riotous way and and, uh, and then he comes to his senses and he comes back home and his father throws this great big party. But the older brother really felt like a martyr. And it's, it's interesting. In Luke chapter 15, verse 28, the Bible says the elder brother was so angry he wouldn't go into the party. He was so angry. So his father went out and, come on, you can, oh, come on, please, we beg you. That martyr person just, you know, they become resistant in their heart and they're, they're holding this anger. It turns into a grudge in their life. And then there's the manipulator. I call these manipulator mics. These are people, they don't get mad, they just get even. Come on, they don't get mad, they just get even. Religious people are really good at being manipulators. People in the church are really good at being manipulators. Laura and I were with a pastor couple this last week, and they were telling us about their church that they had left. And, and after they left the church, there was some tension in the congregation. Now, here's the deal. When you go to church, everybody's, you know, we, we love each other. And, but there's always these undercurrents. There's always problems in ministry. Listen, listen, there are no perfect churches. Come on. Because there are no perfect people. And here, if this church was perfect, the moment that you showed up, it was no longer perfect. I mean, it's just, there's nobody perfect. Come on, no perfect pastors. No perfect communicators. No perfect leaders. Nobody, it just doesn't work that way. So we're really good at putting on a facial front and smiling, but behind the scenes, ooh, we can tear people up. We can ha have pastor pork stew on Sunday afternoon. <laughs> They're manipulators. They have this anger that builds up inside. They won't say it to your face, but they'll, they'll, they'll have cutting remarks, snide remarks, say things behind your back, tear people down. Make other people look bad so they themselves can look good. All right, so what do we do with this? How do we disarm? How do we take off this coat the button pushers want to put on us? How do we disarm them in our life and deal with anger in a proper way? 
The first thing you have to do when recognizing that buttons are being pushed is that you have to calculate the cost of, ever, of anger. Everyone say calculate. You got to calculate it. You, you, you got to know there's a cost. There is a cost to allowing anger to dominate our life. Anger always has a price tag. Proverbs chapter 29 says it like this. Proverbs 29, 22. An angry person causes trouble. And a person with a quick temper sends a lot. Did you hear that? A person with a quick temper sends a lot. If you're with an angry person, if you're an angry person, you need to deal with this. But if you're around an angry person, listen, you got to calculate the cost. you got to calculate the cost of your involvement in our married life, our erred married life. Lord, I had very close friends and uh, we did a lot of stuff together. We, none of us had kids yet, and, and we had a lot of fun. We were going to the same church, and we were doing a lot of stuff together, hanging out two, three times a week. And, and I remember this one particular lot. We, we had a board game that we had started to play as couples, and, and it was a lot of fun. We had a great, very competitive, and it was a lot of fun. And, and I remember this one particular night, man, it was, it was getting pretty competitive. We'd been playing it like, we'd play like four nights in a row. You know, like this game just kept going and kept building. And I don't remember the game now, but we were having a great time with it. And, and in the, kind of in the middle of this game, I said, well, that's not the way it's played. I mean, I got really at him. I said, that's just, that's not how the rules go. And this friend of ours, the guy literally stood up. He was so angry. He was so mad at me. He stands up and he says, it's my house. It's my rules. Whoo! Didn't see that coming. <laughs> that was it. I, that literally, the relationship between myself, my wife and I, more myself and that guy, I, and I didn't hold it against him, but there's something that broke. Recognize today, understand today that uncontrolled anger has cost and potential long-term consequences. Second thing we have to do, taking out the code here, we have to look past the hurt or the words to their pain. We have to look past the words to a person's pain. Why don't you put the Proverbs chapter 19 up. Proverbs 19 says like this, a man's wisdom gives him patience and it is to his glory to overlook an offense. It's to his glory. It's to a person's glory, a man's wisdom. Solomon said it like this, get wisdom. With all your understanding, get wisdom for it is the principal thing. It's the principal thing. If you're going to deal with anger correctly in your life, you got to have the wisdom of God. And you have to look past other people's words and recognize that there's some hurt going on inside their heart and inside their life. To overlook an offense. To overlook an offense. That takes wisdom. There are people that are going to offend you. There are people that are going to say stupid things to you. There are people that are going to irritate you, frustrate you, anger you. There are things that are going to happen. And the, this is what I've discovered in my own personal life. The more, mature, the more mature the person is, the greater their ability to overlook when somebody does something stupid. Come on. I mean, it's just a sign of maturity. It's a sign of a person's maturity to be able to overlook an offense. We don't have to be, I mean, listen, we live in a culture of outrage right now. Everybody's on the edge. I mean, the political environment, I mean, we've said it, you know, it's been like this before. I don't know, not in my lifetime. I mean, just, and every, we got all these keyboard warriors out there. 
Come on, everybody's a keyboard in both sides, right and left, Boom, throwing bombs and grenades. And, and let me tell you, there are times when things do escalate. Jesus said a house divided against itself cannot stand. We as a culture have not learned how to overlook an offense. We're easily offended. And if you're easily offended today, it just means that you're an immature person and God wants you to grow up. God wants you to grow as a human being. I Recently, I had a person, and they were angry. I, I didn't know that they were angry. They'd never said anything to me, but they, they asked me if they could meet me. And, and so I met with them at a local place here. And, and we just had some small ch- chat, and then immediately they went into what was wrong with me. And I, I mean, it kind of caught me off guard. And I know there's lots my wife can tell you. <laughs> she got top ten list, you know what I mean? I got a lot of things. I could tell you a few things, but I, you know, and it just began to unfold. And, and then he stood up and he said, I'm leaving the church. And I, I was, at that moment, I was just kind of like, wow, okay. And there was a part of me that wanted to react to that. Do you know what I'm saying? There's a part of me that wanted to react, but that's not, that's not maturity. And I've learned that almost every person that lashes out at me, at least in my position, in my spot now, it seldom has to do with me. It all, almost always has to do with an issue of authority, something that's going on. There's a bigger hurt. I call it an owie. There's a bigger owie in their life. And I just overlooked it. Now, I, I, I generally, I, I'm 52. I've been in the way 55. I've been in the way 32 years, and I have grown in this area. I'm still a very strong person, and I have the potential to have explosive anger, but the Lord has enabled me. The Lord has helped me to grow. Because here's the deal. You have to think before you react. You got to think. You got to think before you react. Proverbs says it like this. Sensible people always think before they ask. You got to ask yourself these questions. Why am I angry? Or why are they angry? What do they want? Or what do I really want? What do I really want? The fact is, a person can blow up a person can blow up and they can get their, what they want temporarily. They can get it in the short term. But the long term, when people blow up and they get what they want, generally it builds anger in the other person. It builds apathy in the other person and it builds alienation. That's generally the fruit of having an anger that's undealt with in a person's life. Thomas Jefferson said it like this. He said, if someone makes you angry, count to 10. If they make you really angry, count to 100. Think. You got to think before you react. The fourth one is we speak the truth in love. Now, here's the deal. Here, here's if, for Christ followers today, we're growing into spiritual maturity. Be angry and sin not. Remember what Paul said? Be angry. Anger is going to come. And so you must be able to speak the truth in love. For the machine gun Gary, it's easy to speak the truth, it isn't always to speak it in love, right? For mute Mary, it's difficult to speak the truth. It's just difficult to speak, to, to speak something that, that, that needs to be said. I mean, all of us have this tendency in us to want, not to want to deal with things. But there were issues in our life that we must deal with. There's relationship issues in our marriage with our kids, with our coworkers. There's things that need to be dealt with. There's things that we need, must address, we must speak to. Ephesians 4.15, speak the truth and love, and we will grow to become, in every respect, the mature body of Christ. We call them crucial conversations. You must have crucial conversations in your life if you're going to grow on into maturity. 
And here's the deal. The way you know, the, when, and you're in the heat of the moment and words are flying, that's not the time to try to fix the circumstance or situation. It's just not the time. You can say the right thing, but if you do it in the wrong time, you're going to get a wrong result. So you got to learn. You got to speak the truth. Can what I'm going to say, what I'm going to deal with right now, have I emotionally dealt with it to the place that I'm not going to react? I'm not going to overreact. I'm not going to blow up. I'm not going to say something I'm going to regret. Is what I'm going to say going to bring redemption and restoration, or is it going to bring retaliation? Did you hear that today? Come on. Is it bringing redemption, restoration, or if the way you're going to say it is going to bring retaliation, then don't do it. Wait until by the Holy Spirit's control and power. Listen, the theme for the year is greater. Greater is he that is in you. The Holy Spirit is in you. You have the power to choose. Choose you this day. Choose life. You have the ability to choose life today. So speak the truth of love. That is the kind of the guiding barometer when you're dealing with complicated issues. Anger moments. Speak the truth. Can I speak the truth? Yes, I can speak the truth. But can I do it in love? And the last thing, here's, here's, here's the deal. So what do we do with this? So what do you and I do with this? this these, these situations that push our buttons in our life. You know what we do? We ask God for help. Come on, we ask God for help. Come on, we ask God for help. I can't do this on my own. You can't do this on your own. You can't. Come on, you're natural man. The works of the flesh, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, the works of the flesh are obvious. They're obvious. I mean, the works of flesh, he actually says that malice and anger, brawling, those things, it's, those are works of the flesh. And it's easy in our natural state to react. It's got a cost to it. You know what Paul says? Paul says, we don't live as believers living out the works of the flesh. We choose today to walk in step with the Holy Spirit. And he said, when you walk in step with the Holy Spirit, when you ask God for help, the fruit, the fruit of asking God for help is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, patience, meekness, gentleness, goodness. Against such, there is no law. You don't need rules. You don't need 14 points. Okay, pastor said, it's an anger moment. And am I a Mary? Am I a Mia? No, 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 no. No, 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 no. The fruit, it's the fruit of the Spirit. It's always motivated by love. Does it produce joy? Does it produce peace? Fruit of the Spirit. The psalmist David said it like this in Psalms 141. Lord, help me. Come on. Lord, help me control my tongue. Help me to be careful about what I say. 